In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. Hello and welcome to my corner of the digital universe. Prepare to dive deep, get real, get close, and find out entirely too much about people you likely don't even know. I am Jeremy Griffin, and these are my conversations. So grab a coffee and get comfortable, because here we go. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. You are, and thank you so much for doing it. Uh, if you feel so led to support us monthly, guess what? You can do that. You can go to StreamGrace.com and click on the Conversations podcast. Actually, you could support any of our podcasts monthly. $0.99, cents, $4.99, and $9.99 are your options. And I don't know why, because I didn't choose those options, but they're the defaults. You can do that if you want to support any of them. We've got some great podcasts on there. We've got some new ones launching. And uh, yeah, so streamgrace.com, click on them and then you can choose to support them. Also, if you want to leave a voice message for any of our podcasters, you can do that. And they might just use your your voice message in their podcast. And please, as always, if these are helpful to you or you find them entertaining, please share them and subscribe. Also, today's podcast is brought to you by thejoyfulbean.com. I've said this before because they are our sponsor, but it's one of the few places that you can get the actual authentic Jamaica Blue Mountain coffee. If you've never had it, it's the stuff, man. I'm telling you what, I've got some, uh, I got it in the K-Cups. You can get it in bean form, grind it, do whatever you want. And they have a lot of specialty blends. And I've talked, you know, today as, as I record this is the election. And hopefully by now we know who won, but who knows. And I think the best coffee to have during the election is the human bean. So, you know, it's too late to order it now, but it's good to have on hand <laughs> to have. Anyway, enough of that. Today's conversation is with my good friend, Lori Fry, and her husband, Rick, who's been on the show. How are you guys doing? Doing well. Good. I got top billing. You did. Thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to direct all questions to Lori, and I assume Rick will jump in when he wants. <laughs> if... if. If it slows down and gets boring, then I'll probably jump in. Oh, well. Be quiet. Yeah, I was going to say, here it goes. I mean, like, get ready on your mark. It's a, uh, so, Lori, uh, you know, how's how's COVID-19 been in your world recently? It's affected us, but not we haven't caught it. So Well, good on you. We don't know anybody that's caught it. Mm-hmm. Maybe one or two people. Oh, except for you. Mm-hmm. Sorry. No, it's all right. You actually caught it? Well, you know what? Here's what I didn't do. I didn't get tested, but here's what did happen. Everyone in my family got it. And, mm. well, my wife got it and got tested. Her mom and dad got it. Um, 
Me and Jacob never got tested, but I mean. Mm-hmm. How on. many of those people died? Uh, oh. All of us. <laughs> <laughs> Actually. It's very sad. That is sad. But. And it was just for a quick second, like in between my heartbeats, I figure at that point I'm dead <laughs> just for a moment. Yeah, no, we're all, yeah, we're kind of, we're done. all good Yeah, because, oh, here I go. No, I mean, you know, it's fine. You have a 99.976 chance of survival. I know. I don't like those odds. In the words <laughs> of Han Solo, never tell me the odds. <laughs> I don't trust them. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, we're going to, after we record this conversation podcast, we're going to record the Spiritually Wounded podcast, mm-hmm. and I'm really looking forward to that. I'm going to press you on some yeah. things and make you say things you're uncomfortable with. I think I would like to say some things I'm uncomfortable That's with. That's fantastic. Yeah. So if you guys, um, that show will, will be available here pretty soon, uh, within a week or two of this particular show premiering. So mm-hmm. uh, be sure and check that out at the Spiritually Wounded podcast. You can go there from uh, streamgrace.com. Okay, so anyway, enough mm-hmm. plugging of my own junk. <laughs> uh, so tell me a little bit about Little Lori. Oh. I was going to say Little Lori Fry, but you weren't weren't Lori Fry when you were little. No, no, I was Lori Morano when I was little. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, Italian. I'm, yes, sir. Did anyone ever tell you you look a little bit like Liza Minnelli? Yes, actually. Like a lot and or I a don't, little bit? And I don't see it, but yeah, a lot. Of, several um, people have told me that. <laughs> I think part of it's your haircut. Maybe. Because, like, I remember as a kid watching Arthur. Mm-hmm. I yeah. loved that show. Yeah. That was one of my... Think about that. Mm-hmm. That movie's not a kid's show by no. any stretch, but I remember being, like, eight and nine just thinking that was the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> anyway. Mm. That's... Yeah. There yeah. it is. So, yeah. little Lori Morano. Mm-hmm. Lived in New York until I was in first grade. Now you really remind me of Liza Minnelli. Uh, well, not New York City. <laughs> upstate New Oh, okay. York. Yeah. Well, part of upstate. Uh, Ro- I was born in Rochester. Oh, there you go. But I lived in Oneida. Okay. For mm. a few years. Anyway. One, Oneida. That mm. reminds me of the Wonders movie. Anyway, sorry. Never mind. That thing you do. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Rick knows. Yeah. The Oneiders. Okay. I have no idea. <laughs> that's all right. But that's okay. Um, so upstate New York. Uh, what mm. was... The, okay. Do you have any... When did you move away from upstate New York? After kindergarten. Okay. So do you have much memory of it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I remember the, the snow being really, really high and I remember the trees being really big and beautiful and it was a whole different wasn't what people think you know does it bother you like as just having been born does it bother you when when you say new york everyone just assumes yeah i think it bothers my family that's there still more than me because Mm -hmm. i wasn't there very long but they they pretty much have a they don't like new york city all that much because they get all the attention and yeah but upstate new york is rural and hilly and gorgeous it's beautiful i've been there a couple times very happy with uh i think i could actually live in that space because I like the colder weather in general. Well, but it's it's really cold for a really long time. No, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It'd be yeah. worth it to me. Well, I mean, mm. I don't know if it'd be worth it to me, but I would, you know, mm-hmm. I'd do it. Yeah. No, my dad worked at an Air Force base up there, and then he got transferred to Tinker, and that's how we ended up down here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so you got transferred to Tinker when you were like five? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. six, about six, yeah. All right. And so like you that. were here, so you've been here pretty much your whole life, yes. minus that. Yeah, Dell City. Wow. Mm-hmm. Graduated Dell City? Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all right. Mm. <laughs> you know, as a Choctaw graduate. I still graduate, hate the bombers anyway. Yeah, I was so. going to say, Choctaw is just kind of the, you know, looking in at the Midwest City, Dell City mm-hmm. rivalry. And we're like, I mean, can we play? <laughs> and, and then both of you guys stop fighting and look at us and go, not really. No, actually. I mean, you can try. But mm-hmm. things have changed, actually. Choctaw is quite 
I mean, they're bigger. And, well, Dell City's changed a lot, too. Well, that is true. Yeah. So, uh, without diving too deep, give me um, the span of time that you were in Dell City uh, for, high school. Like, you don't have to give me the the year or even the four years, but the decade. 70s. The 70s. Yeah. I graduated in the bicentennial year, okay? <sighs> I was born in the bicentennial oh, year. Oh, jeez. No, that's okay. That okay. means you got me by 18 years. That's not a big deal. That's less than yeah. Rick. That's way less than Rick. <laughs> you know, I'm still here. I know, but you were quiet. We thought we'd bring you in. So, yeah. okay. Well, what was that like? What was graduating in 1976 like? What Every, was, everything was painted red, white, and blue. I drew all of the eagles and stuff in my yearbook in the high school. So if you go back to the 76 high school yearbook, that's all, all my yours. drawings. Really? And mm-hmm. Rick's an artist, so that's weird. Yeah, but I drew little cartoon things. So anyway. Still yet. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah, okay. Nothing so exciting about that. We're definitely going to cover some time between birth mm. and graduation. But... Oh. This is not like his words podcast is chronological life of Jesus. This mm-hmm. is not chronological life of life of Lori. This mm. is just what comes to mind. Mm. Um, so you graduated in 1976. What was the political climate like? Would you, what would you call it? Because I mean, like 60s, 60s. OK, let me let well, me. I was still pretty little. I mean, I remember some, but I was kind of little in the 60s. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm saying like historically, though, when we oh. look at the 60s, it's it's like the to me, it's like the real birth of liberalism. And I don't know if that's mm. really true. I mean, obviously liberalism has been around, but I think the real true, like, you know what, everybody just do their own thing, which mm-hmm. to me was a precursor to libertarian uh, mindset. Um, and it's so weird because I've recently registered as libertarian and I, I did this because I realized that I, I am a conservative person in general. I think mm-hmm. technically on that little map test thing you can take online, I think I fall just left of center, which mm-hmm. surprises me because I'm not really sure how that happens. But what I love about it is I can be really good, close friends with a hard left libertarian Mm. because, you know, we both share this conviction that just leave me the freak alone. Mm -hmm. Don't tell me what to do. Yeah. You do you. (laughs) I don't think libertarian is all that much different for the most part than conservative. No. Well, I think the thing is, no matter where your values are, you just don't force your values on others. And I think that's the big distinction. That's what allows them to live. And honestly, I think it's the future of our country. If we're going to have a unified country, you have to live in this space. If you go back to the freedoms that we have as in a country, right, in this country, mm-hmm. the idea that we can um, pursue happiness and just not get in the way of other people, if, if we can do that, I think that's a pure libertarian mindset. Mm-hmm. But I digress. This was not a political conversation <laughs> we're supposed to have. Well, but still, I agree. With you. But yeah, what I what, what I was getting at though is like you know in today's world we are incredibly charged, yeah, racially charged, socioeconomically charged, uh, politically charged. Everything's just ah amped up, and so you know in the seventies, in my mind, I'm looking at it going, okay, again, I was born, so I don't know, but you know the the bicentennial year of the country, America was fresh out of the sixties, and the civil rights movement was still kind of taking hold and. And so I would think that it was a kind of a good time, like the good old days. I kind of liked it. I mean, you know, I was just starting out after high school and it seemed pretty stable, especially compared to now. Now it's we're spending more time arguing with each other rather than really listening and talking. No, we're not (laughs) like that. Yeah, like that. Good job. Yeah. I try to illustrate. Yeah best i can that was good thanks mm-hmm. um okay so we'll get back to this i'm gonna mm-hmm. come back to p- 
post-graduation, but let's mm. go to pre-graduation. Let's, mm. let, I want to find out what what you were like as a kid. What was your <laughs> what was your demeanor? And for, well, before I do that, have you changed? Would you say you've changed from the I way you were? I certainly hope so, yes. Well, you know what I'm saying. Yes, yeah. Like, like a market, like I used to be this way and now I'm not this way. Yeah, I, I mm, let's see, boy, there's so many different places. I grew up with a very fearful mother. Mm. So I grew up afraid of everything, oh, yeah. everything. And my mom and, and my dad actually were the first two in the family born in the U.S. Their parents came from Italy um, and one from Poland. My grandmother, my, one of my grandmothers came from Poland. So my mom in particular was taught a bunch of weird stuff. I mean, the evil eye and all of this old Italian. Oh, yeah. And she was not raised well. So I understand now why she was the way she was, although I didn't really understand it at the time. So I, I grew up fearful of everything, everything. That's crazy. So the evil mm-hmm. eye as in like the real, like almost like voodoo-ish type thing, Yeah, it's right? like a curse. You know, yeah. you want to, you don't want to have the evil eye and they wore little necklaces to ward that off. And they just believed in, I mean, she learned Italian before she learned English. Yeah. Um, so they just had a lot of weird ideas and I think my grandmother was a little damaged and my mother ended up being really damaged. Wow. Um, she was very unhappy her whole life. Mm. So that was tough. And of course being Italian family, we raised, you know, Catholic church. We had pasta every Sunday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Lots of carbs. Mm-hmm. But you know what? Italians mm. live forever. I, I mean, you know, okay, let's back up. First of all, a lot of mob mm. guys don't. But that's a whole other conversation. True. Um, but but now there's, I, I remember seeing like there's these hot spots uh, around the world where people live forever. And I remember mm. seeing this documentary. There's a, and it, maybe it's Sicily. Mm. Is that, that's in Italy, right? Yeah. Just yeah. double checking. That's the part of the, at the end of the boot. That's the boot. Yeah. It's at the tip of the boot. What's that a boot? Yeah. <laughs> Switch to Canadian real quick. Thank you. Um, so, so in Sicily, mm. uh, there's like this little town. Well, Sicily is the town. So no, Sicily is the, oh, is the, the, the island. island. That's right. That's okay. The, yeah. Island of Sicily. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm an American. I mean, what do I say? I right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in any case, there's this little town where pe- people basically live to be forever old, mm. you know, and they're, and, and they, you know, their diet, they study their diet. It's very rich in olive oils. Oh yeah. Well, the whole country is. Does it smell like olive oil? Do you, have you been there? I've been there. Does it smell like olive oil everywhere? It, no, it just smells delicious everywhere. That's I, I believe Italy's that. beautiful. Yeah, it's one my favorite place. South man, yeah. I feel like I'm gonna go now. Mm, you should go. It's really cool. Do they speak English pretty? Prof- yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Okay, they do. You know, I'm, 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 this is not about me, but this is a funny story. So, <laughs> Lori and I we went to Ireland, mm-hmm. and I always had this theory. If you're going to go to another country, like I didn't want to learn another language. So I'm like, let's go somewhere that already speaks English. Mm-hmm. Terrible idea. <laughs> like the worst idea ever. Because mm-hmm. they fully expect you to understand them because mm-hmm. you speak English. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I can't understand that. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times I'm like, I have no idea. And and see, Lori works in an international industry and she talks to people specifically from Ireland a lot. And I was like, well, this will be good. She's used to that. No, did not work out. So anyway. That's the end of that story. There's more to that story, but <laughs> but this is conversations with me, not you just listening to me. Uh, Although that's been the majority of this podcast I, to this point. We do like listening to you. <laughs> so anyway, um, mm. yeah, so you were scared. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of everything. Water, dogs, weather, everything. And my, I, at some point I think I decided I wasn't going to be my mother, but mm. yet that 
sort of haunts you anyway. Yeah. So I'm not as fearful, but she, she was very unhappy. And I, I can remember that my dad always was trying to make her happy. Mm. And he, she kept what she said. She wanted to see Italy. And he said, I'll take you. Let's go to Italy. And she said, no, she was too afraid. She didn't. She was too afraid to fly. She was too afraid to go on a boat. So she, she never went, mm. you know, and I don't want to let fear take over. Yeah. And keep me from doing stuff. And sometimes it does. Sometimes I still fight it. But that's one of those things that fear is not a part of your new identity. Yeah. So I have to remember that. And when did that begin to shift for you? How old were you? Boy, I don't know. I mean, when did well, here's another. When did you start recognizing that in your mom? Like when did you? Oh, the fear. Yeah. Oh, immediate. I mean, like I knew early. that. Yeah, but it's when it's there, you pick up on it, even if you hate it. Right. Um, and she would be very emotional. All the time. Her emotions just drove her. And um, I don't know, junior high, maybe. Mm -hmm. I was just like, I'm not doing this. So I started trying not to over be overly emotional ever, mm. especially what I considered a negative emotion. Yeah. But you, I mean, you, you can't. Well, you, right. You try, but you, you can control some of them, but some of them you can't. Yeah, but you had, you had your dad influence mm -hmm. you a lot in mm -hmm. terms of. Um, he was a calming yeah, I mean, influence. Yeah, yeah. He, he really impacted you and how you mm -hmm. um, were able to see the world and deal with the world. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hung out with him. Well, we hung out together to kind of stay out of her way. Oh, yeah. You know, she wasn't, because she was fearful, it came out as um, anger sure. and sharp tongue. And she made it very difficult. It was very difficult. Mm. Um, I have a sister who's almost 10 years older than I am and, uh, she was sort of the buffer, but then she went to college when I was like eight. Right. So then I was like the only child and I just kind of hung out in my room or with my dad as much as I could just to kind of stay out of her way, hmm. which is really sad. I hate, I hate saying that, but it was just, she made it very difficult and she would not or could not get any help mm. for it. So she was just kind of miserable her whole life. Wow. And she... You know, we talk about identity a lot and your true identity. And she she is a picture of that to me because she had some heart issues. Um, and so she had two heart attacks. The first one when I was really little. And she got really scared the second time. And the doctor, she, she was overweight. She wasn't obese, but she was overweight. The doctor put her on a diet. And when she was losing weight, I don't know who she was. Mm -hmm. She was, I came home one day from school and they were dancing in the living room. And I remember thinking, I don't know what this is, but I hope it lasts. And she saw herself differently then. Mm -hmm. And um, because the rest of her life, when she went off the diet, she went right back to where she was mm -hmm. because she grew up thinking she was fat and ugly and stupid. And she was none of those things. My mm -hmm. mother spoke French, Italian, Spanish, Latin, she played, she was good at, she was a musician. She could play music. Um, she wasn't any of that. And she mm. was beautiful. She was a little overweight, but so, you know, um, but her identity, the way she saw herself changed. And so that was a lesson that I didn't realize till later on, but that's, that was a good lesson. How we see ourselves is how we live our life. Yeah. So you are in mm. a counseling ministry now and mm -hmm. you've done this for a while. Mm -hmm. So uh, physician, uh, physician, heal thyself. Have you looked at yourself pretty like objectively? Are you able to, cause I, and not everybody is, but be able to look at yourself and your situation growing up and how that's affected your life. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I and I think now I, I would have been, you know, my mom's my mom died back in 98. So mm-hmm. she's been gone. They were quite a bit older when I was born. My my parents were in their 40s when I was born. Oh, wow. So I think I would have been able to understand her better now had I understood. Um, but I didn't start understanding the new identity and, uh, you know, new covenant living and all of that stuff and, until, you know, around 2001, 2002. Mm. So, yeah, I, I go back and I overanalyze and I spend too much time overanalyzing sometimes. Mm-hmm. So, um, when you, so this all, uh, you said you grew up Catholic, is that right? Mm-hmm. So when did, yeah, when did, mm. what was, when you say grow up, like there's practicing Catholics and there's people that are Catholic. Oh no, we were. So you were going ever all the time. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I was so, it, it's so long ago that the mass was still in Latin. Oh wow. So I can still remember some of the, you know, if you've ever been to mass. The yeah. Back e and forth. Unum. Right. We said that every Sunday. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I have been, I've not been to a, a Latin mass. Yeah. Well, they there. haven't done that in a long time, but yeah, no, we went and the priest would come over for dinner and it was, it was a big deal. Um, but in junior high, you know, people say this all the time when you see it in someone else, that's what attracts you mm. to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I had some friends in and some teachers in junior high that had something different. They just had something different. And I'm, I guess I was 13 when I actually, you know, became a believer for myself, you know, actually made the decision for me. And it was those people I wanted what they had. Mm. And so I had to keep going to the Catholic church because that was what my parents wanted. Right. But every so often I got to go to church with my friends. And so I got to experience some Baptist and some Pentecostal and, um, yeah, stuff like that. Wow. So, and especially at 13, that's, mm-hmm. that's an interesting, taking that in, I would think would be pretty interesting. Just those variations from, cause I mean, the Catholic faith is pretty radically different oh, yeah. from Baptist. Of course, I would say Pentecostal is pretty radically different from Baptist, depending on where you go. Yeah. That one, that one was a little scary at first, but, mm-hmm. but I had, I looked back past the, I don't understand what these people are doing mm-hmm. to who the people were so just sweet kind yeah Yeah. they were great well i i think too you're used to hearing stuff in latin so when they're speaking in tongues it's not as bad you know you're you're thinking oh okay well i don't know that language but i mean why not you know um yeah and i I read a lot because i wanted to find out i'm a thinker you know you're either a thinker feeler doer or more of one than the other and i'm a thinker so i read everything i could get my hands on to try to understand the difference in all of the different religions and stuff Mm. so how did your uh, how did your parents process that? Um, not well. Yeah. No, my dad was very upset. Yeah. Um, and he he was very upset. I think he was hurt. Well, and I decided that I knew everything. Mm. So he and I would argue, and that wasn't a good idea. Yeah, that wasn't good. So I, um, you know, my when I was six years old, my mom married my dad, who adopted me, Paul Griffin. Mm-hmm. So he's my dad. Um, he. Uh, he grew up Catholic. He mm. was uh, he was in a family of eight, mm. a good Catholic family, mm-hmm. eight mm-hmm. kids. And his mom, my grandma, um, just a rock. And I remember thinking to myself as I got older and and you know became a Christian myself and looking back, um, I thought, man, I really believe my grandma was fit 
I'll all say this, fit the mold of what I would say as a Christian today. Not that I'll, and I, you know, I'm not going to judge Catholics in general because I know a lot of Catholics who are great folks. Yeah. But there is a distinction um, because a lot of, you know, within the Catholicism faith, there's a lot of ritual and process that really has nothing to do with their relationship. It has to do with following rules. So it's a little more Old Testament without the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, or with it, actually. Um, so I guess my question to you is, do you, how, how do you see that yourself? I mean, do you see... Do you believe that there are people in that faith that are truly like they have a real relationship with Jesus and still practice Catholicism? Or do you believe that Catholicism becomes at odds with a real relationship with Jesus? <laughs> and if you I mean, you know, no. say what you want to say on that. I mean, it's just an opinion. But. I, I think that the Catholic faith gave me a foundation of that there was a God and there was Jesus and we didn't really know what the Holy Ghost did, but at least it taught me that. Yeah. Um, but it is more about a relationship with the church and the rituals and all of that. Now I know, um, uh, I think you can find him in all of that because sure. I think he makes himself known to you no matter what. Um, but I think it's more difficult in, in what they're, they're not teaching a real relationship with God. They're just not. Yeah. And it is, works based and it is um you know the purgatory and the mm-hmm. all of that sort of stuff and i that was the thing that drove me crazy with the arguments with my dad because none of this made sense i mean i can re- <laughs> i remember an argument we had and um and i said something about you know you believe the church is infallible mm-hmm. you know the pope is infallible and i said i don't that doesn't make sense to me and he said well only in matters of the church and i said well then why did we have the crusades and, mm-hmm. you know and one pope killing the next pope to to take his seat and all that and of course that was not a good yeah you know it, it was a it was a pointless argument with my dad i was out to prove how right i was and that sure. was i was in junior high so what did i know mm-hmm. um well pretty much any faith uh we'll call it i say it faith but i'm mostly talk denomination and i don't yeah. know where catholicism fits into that because i think it, you know catholicism is christianity yeah but it's uh, it's just so radically different than most, uh, you know, of these other denominations, Baptist, Pentecostal, it's, anything. It's, it's a liturgical faith. And it's works-based. And it's works-based. What, what I find interesting about a lot of these, like within the Protestant denominations, in general, most of them will will see each other as being wrong but still right with God. In other mm. words, they're wrong about whatever their distinction, their difference is, mm. but they're not going to go to hell for it. And I think that, that you see this if you are you know, a lot of people look at Catholicism and they say, well, I mean, that's wrong. No one goes to the father except through Jesus. And Mm -hmm. yet these guys are going to a priest to confess their sins. And they have to say these, you know, do these acts of Mm -hmm. these works to be made righteous. So they go, well, that's not right. And then the Catholics look at the other side and go, you guys are not right. You're not going to your priest, (laughs) you know? And I, I find it interesting because it's like, uh, you know, historically, I just have no idea how we got so radically separate. I mean, I do. Martin Luther is yeah. <laughs> a big part of that separation. But um, I don't know. It's just interesting to me because, again, I, I've known a lot of people growing up that are Catholic. And I've known even more to the point. I've known quite a few people who go from being Catholic to whatever you call the distinction. Because I think Christianity lives. Yeah, Protestant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it generally isn't. It's weird. They, they consider it a salvation experience, which I understand why they would, um, versus just kind of a belief shift and a change. Now, me, I mean, I didn't really grow up in any of it other mm-hmm. than just, you know, 16. I'm just kind of going, well, that doesn't make sense. That does. That does. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so 
Anyway. Well, you know, the what? who was it? Um, Brennan Manning has a short little video, but the gist of it is the longer I live, the more I believe that when I when I die and I get to heaven, all they're going to all God's going to ask me is, did you believe that I loved you? Yeah. And I love that because mm-hmm. it, it doesn't matter whether you're Catholic and following a bunch of rules or if you're Baptist and following a bunch of rules or wherever you are, because it's still about, do you have a relationship with yes, God? Right. Have you entered into a relationship with him? That's all he really cares about. And mm-hmm. he's able to speak to you no matter where you are. Yeah. And so, I, be- I, I believe most priests would say the same thing, honestly. I, I don't know that. I think if pressed on it, <laughs> if pressed on it, but maybe not. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I've been out of it for so long. Yeah. I, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Well, in any case, I you know these are some areas we'll talk about in the other podcast, likely because mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I, th- I do think it's interesting. But um, but the bottom line is, you know, for me, I'm a reductive guy. I, I'm mm-hmm. looking at it going. I mean, it just it has to be more simple than we've made it. Mm-hmm. Why why would it be so complex? On the one hand, you have this teaching out there that says, you know, there's a scripture, and and you guys will know it, but. Um, man knows intrinsically of the creator and his love for the creator is intrinsic as written inside of us. There's no complexity to that. It's just in us, right? Mm -hmm. There's no multi thousand page book. We got to read to figure it out. We just know. And then on the other hand, there's a multi chapter, multi book bound book called the Bible Mm -hmm. that if we don't know backwards and forwards in some positions we're like well you just don't know who jesus is mm. and i'm like why well, you just can't kind of have it both ways i mean like it, it's one way or the other i always look at scripture as um reinforcing what my guts already know mm-hmm. that's all it's really ever going to do mm-hmm. i mean if it's it's not that it can't be revelation and life it's just that's not the book is not no. the book is the book the words of the creator our revelation in life, mm-hmm. which are contained in the book, mm-hmm. but they're also contained in me. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I don't well, know. I've, I've told clients before, you know, we read the Bible. It's, uh, it's God's inspired word. It tell, it gives us a picture of what God is like. Um, and, and I use the analogy, Andrew Farley, the author, we've, we know him. We've seen him at conferences. We've gotten to know him. He stayed at our house before. We stayed at his house before. So I talk about, you know, I know I've read all his books. His books are great, but hanging out with him is way more fun mm. and it gives us a better picture of who he is. So yeah. we have scripture, but we have the author in us to talk to us all the time. Right. And that's where it gets personal, mm-hmm. you know, because he knows what Jeremy needs. He knows what Lori needs and how. He, how we hear him. Mm-hmm. So, yes. I, I just want to say that what you described about knowing inside of you mm-hmm. um, is proof that three-part man exists mm-hmm. because your body, soul, and spirit. And your spirit can connect with God on a level that you cannot in your body and in your soul. Mm-hmm. So when your spirit in you says, ah, this is true. Uh, this is just true, and you you don't know right. why you think that, right. mm-hmm. but your spirit is guiding you towards truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always that's I, free. I appreciate that. <laughs> I, uh, you know, my my thought process as I kind of how I visualize it is my spirit is just like you decide, as you've defined. It. I mean, it's just it's connected with God. It it's it's literally like it's hand one in hand. thing. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And my flesh is you know my flesh it's like all the physical attributes the sensual part of me you know all my senses Mm -hmm. um 
and the battle ground is the soul, like where those things touch, you know, that's where the the emotions live and it's like, whoa, what's going on? And, you know, where fear can try to take hold one way or the other. And I think it's interesting, you know, fear, I always see fear as kind of like opposite of faith, right? It's like this Mm -hmm. (laughs) anti-faith and, uh, or it's faith in the wrong thing, however you want to look at it. But, but ultimately, um, that fear can then manifest itself in the physical. If I let it take hold, it's a soulish feeling, but if I let it take root and hold, it begins to, you know, you begin to perspire, sweat, your heart rate goes up, like all these things happen. And these are, these are things that are not some out there spiritual idea. These are studied by medical science. Like these are facts of what happens to your body. In fact, um, I read somewhere, probably the internet. So I guarantee it's true. Uh, (laughs) But like 80% of all ailments in the human body are mental. Like they're caused by their Mm -hmm. state, your state of mind and your approach. 80%. If that number is accurate, I mean, we could wipe out all sickness and disease with just a positive, appropriate mindset, a renewed mindset, if you will. Mm. Anyway, Mm. let's move past this. This is good conversation. That's good. It's fun. Mm -hmm. Um, 1976, you graduate. Yeah. Going to circle back around. I told you it's not going to be chronological. I got you. So 1976, you graduate. What are you going to do with your life? (laughs) Well, I went to UCO now. I was going to be an artist, commercial artist. Um, I went for a year and then I ended up getting married instead. Um, Dropping out of college at that point? mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you say commercial artist, what was uh, specifically, what, what kind of stuff did you do there? I mean... I was only there for a year. Okay, I mean, so you just took all the entry classes, essentially. Yeah, right? I took some art classes, but yeah. I just I always was interested in art, not art like Rick does the painting and all that, but more the commercial stuff. Gotcha. So I I think I just didn't really know what I wanted, mm. and so getting married seemed like a better option. Mm-hmm. And was it? Um. Do I need to ask Rick to leave the room? <laughs> no, you don't. Um, I thought it was a. I thought it was a good plan. Um, I thought. Well, she didn't marry me at that. Point. No, I no, know. Yeah. I didn't yeah. marry him. Yeah. No. Um, Even more to the point, do I need to ask? <laughs> yeah. Um, I thought I. I thought I married somebody who was very strong. As as cool as my dad was, he still was very passive. Mm. And I knew I wanted to be with someone who was strong. I didn't realize he wasn't really strong he was more angry mm. um he it's kind of weird he was really more like my mom mm-hmm. except for the fear part anyway so i was married for 35 years oh had three kids and then um that's then you weren't then i wasn't then i wasn't when yeah. i started realizing that the angry wasn't because it was my fault mm. then i started to not take it so much anymore mm-hmm. it wasn't physical it was just emotional and um maybe a little gaslighting mm. um there was more contempt i think on his part than anything else and mm. it was more just wanting things to stay mm-hmm. and when i started to not try to keep him happy all the time anymore because i couldn't Mm-hmm. And I wasn't supposed to, but I couldn't anyway. And then things got worse. And then so finally I left. Mm. So. so in your in your line of work, uh, doing counseling, I'm sure you've mm. counseled with many people who've gone through divorce. Mm-hmm. So um, I've always had a picture of divorce as something that 
in general, the majority of them happen early in a, in a marriage. Mm. And it seems like over the last 10 to 15 years, I'm just hearing way more divorces happening after 20 plus years Mm -hmm. or even we'll say 15 plus years. Mm -hmm. And, um, so my question is this, I'm intrigued by that reality. My question is, is that my own perspective or would you say that it's just, it doesn't matter. It's spread across the board. What, what's been your experience in that? I think it's harder for people to understand what it happens later because they think, Oh, everything was fine. What's the problem? You were there for that long. And what they don't understand is, Oh, there's a whole lot. I, well, there's perseverance. Like to me, what mm -hmm. I, what I assume when someone gets divorced after, and I mean, I've done counseling too in this Mm -hmm. regard. So obviously I have a little more insight than the average bear maybe, but Mm -hmm. I look at it differently. I'm like, okay, well they put up with it for 20 years and then they're just kind of done putting up with it. Right. Um, but my my question then becomes, how did that happen? How did you what what's the straw? I mean, if you're putting it up for 20 years, what happened on the 21st? And I always I tend to lean on the kids part. Right. I tend to think, OK, well, mm-hmm. so many people are staying together for the kids. I think that's a lot of it. Yeah. Okay. And I think, you know, you do know I wrote a book about this, right? I, no. Oh, I did. Um, that's how much I researched my guests. <laughs> before I, I would have said, and author. Yeah, that's okay. <laughs> no, I, I wrote a book and I'm, I've just revised it and enlarged it and added more to it. And it's going to be ready soon, I think. On, cool. Anyway, but it's, it's, it's called Hearing God's Heart in Divorce. Mm. Because I think there's a lot of factors. I think especially believers stay together because they think they have no choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the Malachi verse about God hates divorce has been completely badly translated. Mm-hmm. I think what God hates is when a spouse treats the other one so badly that a divorce becomes necessary. Right. Um, you know, the, the, the book, I go into the whole Greek and Hebrew and blah, 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 and all that sort of stuff, but it's basically about hearing God for you. And, um, you hear, well, if you just pray harder, if you just try harder, if you don't make him mad, if you're a better wife or a better husband or this or that, or have, if more, you faith. have more faith, you can't quit on God because God's still working and you're the one who, you know, you're the one who quit. So mm-hmm. you're the one that's not listening to God. There's no, you know, we, we listen to Holy Spirit in every area of our lives. We're encouraged to do that except for that one. Well, and because that's yeah. not an option. Um, I would say, I would argue that for most churches, we don't listen to the Holy Spirit on tithing either, but right. I mean, it's all, but it's You're also right. out of Malachi. Right. <laughs> yeah. Ironically. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I just want to throw this out there because I, I will personally tell you, I've, I don't have a solid convictive stance on divorce because mm-hmm. one, I, I've never been Two, I have no intention of being, mm-hmm. um, you know, I've, I've been with Lori for a long time, my Lori, not you. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, we have a great marriage, so it's just mm-hmm. not something that comes up. But I will say this, you know, the Ten Commandments say thou shall not kill. Yet God commanded mm. different people to kill at different times. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and I'm not, that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But my point is, is that you cannot simply say, and this goes back, by the way, let me just say this. My previous statement about he lives in me, mm-hmm. right? The Holy Spirit now lives in me too. Like I've got everybody right here in my guts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it's like, if I would just lean into that and trust that, I think that if everyone would just simply do that, just trust your guts, man, what God is saying to your guts mm-hmm. and trust that it should be pretty straightforward and simple. 
and line up with his character. For example, when I'm looking at divorce, I mean, there's a very practical thing, right? So you've got somebody who's abusive. Mm-hmm. Now, now I know there's, I feel like I've been told, again, I haven't studied, but I feel like someone's told me there's scriptural, um, uh, what's the word? Precedents basically for mm-hmm. divorce in a physical abusive mm-hmm. scenario. Not just physical. Any Well, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Abusive period. Yeah. Um, but my point is, is that why would I, I don't need the Bible to tell me that. I mean, my guts tell me that, Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? Yes. (laughs) So it's Mm -hmm. like, what does God want me to say? Well, no matter what, I'm just going to be, um, unto death, by the way, I'm going to be abused unto death because that's what God said to do like in his scripture. Mm -hmm. But my, that doesn't make sense. You said something really important. You said he, what he tells us isn't contrary to his character. Yes. That's what's important because just like you said, use the the other example mm-hmm. um, of, of thou shalt not kill. Well, let's look at Abraham. Right. <laughs> Go and sacrifice your son. Yes. Okay. So we could, and I, I actually put this in the book because it was such a great analogy. We could say, Abraham could have said, no, that's not what you're like. Mm-hmm. And you would never say that. So that's not you and I'm not going to listen. But yet he knew it was God's voice and he trusted his character and he did it. And then God stopped him. Mm -hmm. So we do get to listen to God's voice because Jericho, seven days around the city. Well, one was the Sabbath. In fact, they say that it probably was the Sabbath that it fell. Yet they had the law about not doing anything on Sabbath. I mean, you can go on and on and on. You know, Jesus healed people on the Sabbath. And there's God told a lot of people to do some really weird stuff. Let's talk about Hosea. Mm. Go marry a prostitute. Yeah, Really? But listen, I mean, who hasn't been told that? True. (laughs) I mean, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So listening to God, and he's not going to tell you anything contrary to his character where it may go against what you think is the law, old covenant law or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so the whole point is listening to God for you. Sometimes he tells you to stay. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he releases you to go. And you have a choice. When you know you have a choice to stay or to go, mm. that's huge. Yeah. You know, and why would, you know, God is all, there's another author, Joseph Pote is his name. And he wrote a book called you are, so you're a believer who's been through a divorce. Mm. I think that's the title. And it's so awesome. And he talks about how God is about freeing his kids from unfair, uh, covenants. Mm. And he goes into Israel, you know, they, 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 uh, disregarded the covenant they made with Joseph. Um, they treated the Israelites badly. Well, what does God say? No, I'm sorry. You just have to stay there. No, he's about freeing you mm. when it becomes abusive. Um, that's his heart. Mm-hmm. It's not the letter of the law. It's his heart to say that you have to stay with someone who beats you or whatever, unless he cheats on you. Mm. I mean, that doesn't sound like God's heart to me. Mm-hmm. So um, I think it's all about listening to God for yourself all the time. Yeah. So in the midst of, um, and this is all, this is all good stuff, but, um, in the mm-hmm. midst of, uh, when you're younger, you get married and you go through this process, um, how long before you guys had kids? Oh, it wasn't very long at all. It mm-hmm. was about two years. Okay. Yeah. So do you feel like there's any point through that time frame? Was there a switch in, in him? Was there something changing you? Was it always bad? What was your, um, he was, he was always angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, let me, let me back up. 
And that goes back to you finding somebody who's strong right. and translating and, it that way. You know Bill Gillum, the author Bill Gillum? I know the name. Well, anyway, he, he talked about an anger meter from like one to ten. Mm. And most people live at about a two, maybe a one or oh. a three, maybe, wow. depending on who they are. Oh, well, my wife's not listening to this. <laughs> like, you live at a seven. <laughs> well, and that's the point. But if, yeah. you're, if you're married to so, or somebody who's angry, they may live at a seven or an eight or a nine all the time. So it doesn't take much for them to go off. Yeah. So... And they're not angry, like losing it all the time. They just live at a just seven or an eight. Person, yeah. yeah, it just doesn't take much. So, and that doesn't mean that they're, it means that they can be kind and sure. um, giving, you know, too. So I saw the anger, but it wasn't really directed at me early. I mean, we, got, we, we didn't, we got engaged pretty fast. We were married within eight months of mm-hmm. when we met each other. So I saw some anger, but it wasn't necessarily at me. And I, again, at 19, I thought that was strength. Mm-hmm. Um, but it became, I think about a year, honestly, about a year in or so, I thought, okay, there's something wrong with this picture. But then it was like, well, you're married, you got to stay, you, mm-hmm. you got to give it some time, blah, blah, blah. Then you start having children and then it's like... I get, where am I going to go? Yeah, I, I can't even think about this. By the time and, you're five years into that relationship, you mm-hmm. one you're like well i've got to give it a legitimate chance and sure. then you get to the point where you're gonna disrupt a lot if right. you give up then yeah and you have no means of supporting yourself you've got three little kids and it just became something i'm a christian god hates divorce just you picked them mm-hmm. you made this so you have to stay so you said in 2002 you begin to understand new covenant living yeah tell me about that I took a study called Be Transformed that Scope Ministries had. I know the guy that wrote the book on that. Ah. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) Um, A a friend of mine was doing this in her house with uh, videotapes and stuff. And there was like, she invited three of us Mm. to do this thing. And I didn't want to do it, but I was too scared to tell her at the time because she was kind of an intimidating friend. I mean, (laughs) I loved her, but anyway. So I took it even though I didn't want to. And every week I went back and went, Holy cow, I've never heard this before. Mm-hmm. I've never heard about belief systems and identity and how God really sees you and who he really is. And all that that's the bottom line of everything. How do you see yourself versus what God says about you and how who is God versus what you think he is? Mm-hmm. And I just kept going back and it was like, that's when the light went on for me. So I've been a Christian since I was like 13 and uh, everything changed when I took that particular study. It's, mm. That was it. And then, so the, so your path changed, your trajectory changed, everything about it changed. Mm-hmm. So what was the first step out of that? You're like, okay, you're breathing fresh new air. Because you said something a minute ago. You talked about um, freedom. I don't remember what you said, but I just had this image in my mind of mm-hmm. uh, my own experience. It's like, if you put me in a cage and you close the door, I'm going to scratch and oh, claw. Oh, about having the, a choice. Yeah, 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 having a choice. How often is it when you have a choice, you still choose the good path? You choose the right path. I, I I think that majority of the time when we're given a choice, we choose the right path. Mm. And I'm not talking subjective right. Mm-hmm. Subjective right is from man's perspective. Mm-hmm. That one is worthless. There's no man's wisdom is garbage. Mm-hmm. But God's wisdom, when he gives me the choice, I'm going to choose the right path. Mm-hmm. Because you know what? The right path is attractive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's right. what you're made for. Absolutely. Yeah. There's no, com- when I say conflict, there's no... Uh, um, cognitive dissonance in you you absolutely are like yes that's it that's right Mm -hmm. and and when you so when you have that freedom 
Uh, that's what happens. So I imagine this in, in Be Transformed, you begin to have that. All of a sudden you're like, whoa, I am free. Mm-hmm. What's your first action? What do you do? What do you do with that? <laughs> Took more classes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I was excited well, you're about a thinker, it. Right? Yeah, I'm a thinker. So I just read more and I wanted to take more classes and I wanted to understand more. And I made friends with some of the other people that were in um, some of the classes up there, Pat, you know, yeah. who's with us at, at Oneness right now. I mean, she's been my good friend of mine for a long time and just going, oh my gosh, and trying to spread it. Mm. You know, when you really do understand that you want to spread it and it's, and it's kind of hard because people don't always want you to. Um, the, the answer to his question is that you fed it mm. and the more you fed it, the more you wanted to know about it. So you fed the freedom. The freedom was there. Mm. It needed to grow. It needed stuff to give it more room to grow. And that's why being a thinker, you began reading Mm. and wrapping your head around what freedom really means. Mm. Because to most of us, we have no idea what freedom is Mm -hmm. when we're first introduced to it. And it's scary. Sure. can be scary. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Freud. Good job. <laughs> he knows me. Uh, yeah, he does. Uh, that'll be $75 for you. Oh, wow. Yeah, what he gave you. me earlier was free. Yeah. He's charging you $75. i will just i will put it on his tab. This guy. On my tab. Awesome. So, mm. um, okay, so, you, yeah, you absolutely begin to dive into that world. Mm-hmm. Um, and now today you're, you're a part of Oneness Ministries where mm-hmm. Rick is the executive director. Mm-hmm. And um, you guys have been going how long? We started. It's almost a year, paperwork right? Paperwork was in January. We actually okay. opened up the offices in March yeah. okay. of 2020. Yeah. So about eight months in, nine yeah. months in to practicing, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But um, so also you have a podcast on the network. I you're do. You're one of the three. I am. On the three podcast. Mm-hmm. So how has that been for you guys? It's actually been way fun. Yeah. We were scared to pieces the very first several. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but I mean, Pat and Sharon, we know each other really, really well. We're good friends. And I think that comes across. So once we kind of got past the don't be so afraid of saying something stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we hear people now that tell us, you know, oh, we love it when you guys get funny and the funny things you say. And we feel like we're in the same room with you and. Um, and oh, I learned, I had, I had a client come in a couple of weeks ago and she read me the notes of one of our podcasts because she liked what we had said. So that's now we love it. Yeah. Now we love it. We still get a little nervous, but we love it. Yeah. So, so I want you to speak to that a little bit. Um, Mm -hmm. because I do think, you know, when I first met with you guys and especially, um, with the three of you, there was Mm -hmm. definitely mixed, um, energy levels Mm -hmm. and excitement levels about the idea of podcasting. But, you know, mm. from my perspective, it, it goes back to, you know, what I've wanted to do on the network is essentially give people a platform. Mm. And and so what happens is it's it's not just give people a platform. There are people that have stuff to say that, that don't know they even want a pot platform mm. or that it would be beneficial. And mm-hmm. I think that getting you into that and having those moments, what you just described about your client coming in or whatever it is, that mm-hmm. it gives you the confidence to know, like, this is making a difference. And, and mm-hmm. to me... You know, on our network, we talk about this a lot, but authenticity is huge. It's the cornerstone of what we do. Mm -hmm. I'm not proposing that every idea I have is amazing or that is right, but I think it's the dialogue. It's the conversation that helps us all grow. If someone's listening to these conversations or they listen to Spiritually Wounded or any of the other podcasts, 
um, they're probably going to disagree with some stuff. I, I would hope so. But the goal isn't that everybody agrees. It's that, man, when you disagree, you've got, you kind of get to take a step back and go, well, why do I disagree? Mm-hmm. And begin to examine that. And that's good and healthy. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really powerful. And, and, you know, I have these shows where we just have a conversation and a lot of times we don't get into the meat of mm-hmm. my own personal beliefs all the time. But I think in your show, in the three, you guys are really diving into people. You're diving into mm-hmm. scriptures. You're covering some things that I think really cause people to think. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love it. I think it's awesome what you guys it's are doing. It's fun. And and we we agree on mostly everything, but we also like the what ifs. And there yeah. are some things that we don't agree on or maybe we're a little off. So that's it's kind of fun because we get to... I don't know that we really argue with each other, but we can, we can throw it out there and we're okay with it. And we, we would like it to get more, even more feedback than we're getting from, from people. And it's cause it's really good to hear. And I threw something out on Facebook about some ideas for another show. And this one woman gave us like a whole list of it. She gave us our whole outline for a show. Yeah. It was all great stuff. So it's really fun to interact that way. What would you say to somebody who's like, man, I'd like to do a podcast. I just don't know. I don't know that I can do it. What would you say to them? Just, just start doing it. Yeah. Just start doing it. Cause that's what you told us. Yeah. And we just got in there and we were very scattered. Um, and, and clearly don't know what we're doing, but if somebody's getting something out of it and, and we're enjoying it and we feel like it's a, it's a place where we can reach more people. I mean, when you're counseling, it's one-on-one and that's its own thing. Right. But when you can really spread it a little bit, especially because I don't know that the new covenant grace message, if you want to call it that, is it? It's still not mainstream, right? At all, and um, it's kind of weird because I think we've been living in those circles now for many years at this mm-hmm. point, and you're kind of shocked when people are like, "What? I hadn't heard that." Mm-hmm. Like I've been visiting different churches and and checking stuff out online here recently, and mm-hmm. it's interesting because I'm like, "Whoa, I mean, wow." You oh get, yeah, like this is so foreign. And you get pushback. You know, we some we've had we've come across people in classes and things that we've done, and we're presenting a graceful mm-hmm. view, and they're they're like, "Well, wait, you know, wait a minute, this isn't this isn't right." Yeah, they're afraid of it. It, it really is fear. Sure. Yeah. Well, well, I'm going to preview this a little bit because this is some areas I want to press you guys on, mm-hmm. uh, both of you, Rick and Lori, both. Um, about that, because we'll talk about grace. And we'll talk about this, this, you know, this teaching, this concept that's not very widespread. And what I want to talk about is, is the extremes of both sides, because mm. I feel like that, you know, we talk a lot about legalism, mm. but there's the other side of grace, this extreme grace, if you will. And I think that this is where people um, start having some challenges come up in their, their own selves. Mm. And so I just want to talk through those. We'll talk a little bit about people who are done with church. And have had enough of it. That's a lot of what spiritual podcasts or spiritual podcast, <laughs> spiritually wounded podcast is all about anyway. Yeah. Um, so I want to encourage all you guys who are listening to jump over there and uh, check out the spiritually wounded podcast with Rick and Lori Fry. Um, in that one, I'm also giving Lori top billing Rick. Ha. She earns it. Yeah, she does. Well, <laughs> she puts up with you. She puts up with me. She does. <laughs> if you want to find out more about uh, how Rick and uh, Lori got together go listen to rick's podcast on conversations because we talk a little bit more about that and um Lori, thanks for joining me today thanks so much for the invite yeah absolutely mm-hmm. um and thank you all uh, rick thank you too thanks for having me i put up with you 
You actually did really good about being quiet. I mean, was, you jumped in a couple times, but it's I, the quietest he's been in months. Yeah, I'm impressed. It's really difficult. <laughs> and thank you guys for listening to Conversations with Jeremy Griffin. This is another one uh, with uh, Lori Fry and finding out more about somebody you likely don't even know. <laughs> Thanks again, and uh, God bless you guys. If you want to reach out, feel free and do so. Just go to stringgrace.com and click on Conversations and leave me a message because I'd love to hear from you. God bless. Bye bye.